Hi everyone, Tiffany here with a super quick note that this podcast was recorded as part of a previous bundle season. That means that the dates that you're about to hear for the bundle, well, they're no longer correct. If you're interested in seeing what the dates are for this year's sale, please visit thebellydancebundle.com. There you'll find all the up-to-date information on our upcoming bundle. While the dates may be wrong and the class mentioned here isn't available through us any longer, many of our guests still have their courses available for purchase individually, so please do feel free to click through to their offerings and take a look. You're going to want to check it out after hearing how brilliant they are. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. We made it. Welcome to the last interview for our bundle series in 2020. It's also the last day that you can buy the Belly Dance Bundle. So if you haven't picked yours up yet, make sure to go and do that now. Hello, I'm Tiffany. I'm your host here at Yalla Rocks, and I'll be back tomorrow with a little bit of a wrap up before we take some time off. But today, Today is quite the episode. Lisa Allred joins me from the Belly Dance Business Academy, and her class in the bundle? Well, it's right up my alley. Basically, she's going to talk cognitive science and practice, and you and I are going to work on tricking ourselves into doing what we want by using it. Literally freaking out about it right now. You know I love to experiment on myself for practice, and this is the best way to do it with research on your side. Hello, dancers, and welcome to Yalla Rocks, the belly dance podcast that helps you design your personal practice. Today, we're here with Lisa Allred. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing some of your knowledge. I cannot wait to jump into this conversation. Well, thanks, Tiffany. I'm really happy to be here. Since this is your first time on the podcast, can you give us a little bit of your backstory? How did we get to the point where dance has taken over your free time? Yeah, great, um, great question. So I um, started dancing, gosh, around when I was 40, (laughs) a little bit, uh, well, not, I didn't start dancing around then. I started dancing as a child, but started belly dancing Mm -hmm. around then. And I uh, ended up when my sister, Terry, who many of y'all know, she's teaching in the bundle as well and um, is in the dance community. When she moved from North Carolina to Minnesota, she had a children's troupe and she needed somebody to take it over. And I'm a child therapist. So it was really a natural, um, a natural place for me to step in and start teaching And then I got involved in um, ATS, or now Fat Chance Belly Dance Style Dance, and loved, loved, loved group improvisation. I just, it's completely where I feel comfortable and where I love being. And I just kept teaching classes, kept um, dancing, started dancing um, professionally with Dianishma, which is a Fat Chance Belly Dance troupe that um, I directed with Dawn Rucker. And... Yeah, and and now I've added Fly Fusion into the group improv that I do and have started my own collective called Red Sage. And 
yeah, it just kind of snowballs, you know, it, it does, it takes up all your free time in a good way. When you took over Terry's children's class, had you been dancing for very long or were those kids running you ragged? Well, I had been dancing for a couple of years, but I wasn't super serious. Mm -hmm. So when she left for Minnesota, I mean, two things happened. Number one, that's where I spent all my time on the weekend was hanging out with her and going to dance stuff with her and the kids would play together and all of this. And so I had this big void of my time, but also if I was going to be teaching dance to kids, I needed to like really up my skill game. So I guess I have been taking belly dance for two or three years, of course, had a ton of teaching experience in the non-dance world mm -hmm. and a ton of experience working with kids. So I think that's how I was able to transition to it so fast and, you know, for it to go so well. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so I started taking like three, four classes a week at that mm -hmm. point. So I would teach on the weekend. I would take uh, cl classes during the week and also on the weekend. And I started spending all my time dancing. Yeah. It's amazing how much better you can get when you're dancing like four or five times a week. When you focus <laughs> on it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I asked because I um, I used to teach a kid's class. And oh, yeah. those kids would just run me in circles yeah. <laughs> during class. It was so much fun. It was one of the best classes. I feel like I've like had the joy of teaching. Oh but like, yeah. By the end of it, I was like, Oh boy, these kids. And I can just imagine someone yeah. who maybe hadn't been dancing as long, like taking over kids class and then having to like juggle all of that. But like you said, yeah. right. You had experience with kids. So yeah. Yeah. Easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I actually think the, like the behavior management and the, um, like understanding kind of what was going on with them was the hard part, not the dance. <laughs> and so, you know, like kind of uh, dealing with everybody, every, all the kids and their idiosyncrasies and the parents and, you know, having the parents not be the teacher and, you know, it, it, it's complicated <laughs> as anybody who's taught kids anything knows. Right. So you and Terry co-own the Belly Dance Business Academy along with Sarah. So how did she rope you into being part of, of the Academy? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, so I'll, I'll go at this kind of um, by way of reunion or what started out as ATS homecoming. Mm -hmm. So Terry started doing consulting work for Carolina with Fat Chance Belly Dance and started doing all of this like conference planning and, you know, business planning and basically taking the nonprofit skills that she has and applying them to the dance world. Um, bought the Belly Dance Business Academy from Julie Eason. And I was helping her do all the stuff that she was doing because I also have run nonprofits um, and, and done a lot of like mental health type jobs um, in addition to running nonprofits. And so it just this whole idea of supporting artists to be better business people started emerging. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you teach people to network at big conferences? How do you teach people to market? How do you teach people to budget? You know, the things that the artists don't really like to spend time doing, but is necessary. And so she brought that to the table with the Belly Dance Business Academy and all along I was helping her. I think we titled, gave me the title of curriculum development or something. 
but I wasn't an owner. Uh, and then at one point we looked at my classes. This was four years into it, almost five, and realized that I'd only made like $75 teaching at the Belly Dance Business Academy for five years because we were giving all my classes away as promo. Now she gave her classes away too, but it was like, yeah, maybe I should just like join you and Sarah and, you know, help with some of the back end stuff and share the workload. We'll be able to expand the reach. Um, between Terry, Sarah, and I, we, we have some overlapping skills, but we also have some kind of distinct areas that we focus on. Uh, so it's just, it's been a great, a great uh, endeavor. I'm really glad that I decided to come on in this role. It sounds like you guys work really well together. I had the, the joy of sitting in on one of your uh, group calls on yeah, Sunday yeah. as we discussed <laughs> what to put in the bundle. And it was just super fun to like hang out with all three of you at once. I don't think I've ever done that before. So speaking of the bundle, yeah. you guys, the three of you in, at the Belly Dance Business Academy have almost, you've made a bundle that we're putting in the, in the bundle. bundle. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sarah and I were laughing our heads off at this during our um, interview earlier in the series. And your contribution to that is I just can't get motivated applying behavioral science to build habits and motivate behavior change. So everyone who's listening knows that I freaked out when you sent me the name of this lecture <laughs> and how happy I was that this was going to be part of the bundle. So can you talk about what inspired you to create this particular um, class for us and and just get get into the nerdery because this is like my favorite thing ever. Absolutely. And I and I love getting into it. And like um, so uh, as I said a minute ago, I am a therapist by training. And um, so part of what I realized was that there are a lot of skills that people in the dance community could take from behavioral science and apply to make their dance practice and just their lives better. And so it started with stage presence. I started actually taking behavioral science um, ideas and research and applying it to stage presence. And then I quickly moved to start applying it to other things. And motivation, habit formation is a huge issue in the dance community and people want to learn about it and they want to know about it and they want to be able to do it without feeling bad about themselves. Mm -hmm. So it was the perfect way to apply my um, training in the mental health world with a way that I could help dancers. And, you know, Terry and Sarah talk a lot about branding and, you know, what do you want your brand to be? How are you going to differentiate yourself from the rest of the, you know, the dancers and how are you going to, kind of focus in on what your what your mission is and and one of my missions is to is to help people who are dancers apply this stuff and be more successful at dance i love that it all comes full circle right? yeah i think so many of us we do this we take whatever we we did or we do outside of the dance world and there's all these skills that we can bring back with mm -hmm. us into the dance world. Like I worked as a VA, as a virtual assistant for years for other people. And then I come back and I bring all of the business knowledge and the marketing knowledge and stuff that yeah. I learned doing that, right? You work as a therapist. So here you are bringing all of that in. And I see that over and over again when I talk to dancers is that, you know, they have these other passions and these other jobs out in the world. And 
it informs what they do so much within their dance space right and I like I love that you're applying all of the yeah therapist tricks here all of our cognitive behavioral (sighs) stuff so yeah can you speak to right as you were saying this is something that people struggle with getting Mm -hmm. motivated getting into their practice space working on their dance it's right that's why we do the 21 days of belly dance yeah, because like people struggle with this and I'm trying to help them kind of set themselves up with a habit, get used to practicing every day, you know, mm-hmm. or two or three times a week and, and putting all the little pieces together, however they right. want to do it. But can you speak to some of the struggles that you've seen um, as you talk to dancers and as you work with dancers to marry cognitive behavioral science and the dance world together. Yeah, yeah. So let me say um, a minute about cognitive behavioral science, because that is uh, the primary mode that I'm trained in as a therapist. And basically the theory is that people think that something happens to them. And then as a result of the, uh, of the action, they feel a certain way. But what really happens is there's a intermediary step and that is what they think about what happens to them. So you have a lot of ability to intercede on the thought level by, by thinking about things differently. A great example of this was um, I used to get so impatient when I'd have to wait for the elevator at the doctor's office, in line at the grocery store. It didn't matter. I'd get so impatient. And then I started thinking, how can I use this time? How can I think about this time differently so that my emotion changes? And I realized that I love to read mystery novels and hardly ever have time. So now I keep a mystery novel on my phone. If I have to wait somewhere, I still have to wait. It's still frustrating. But instead of seeing it as an annoyance, I see it as an opportunity to do something that I enjoy doing that I don't frequently have time to do. So that's kind of a real life example of how you apply this stuff. And so um, so applying it in the dance world And, you know, I say the dance world, but the reality is all of us have things, behaviors that we want to um, start doing. We Mm -hmm. all want to be motivated to do some certain things for dancers. Usually it's around practice, around, you know, um, conditioning, around energy management, all of that, all those things. But this can apply to anything. But for dancers, I think it falls into kind of two categories. The one category are the folks who know what to do. They just are really having a hard time getting themselves going. You know, yeah. it's, the, it's that taking the first step, it's that setting the alarm, it's, you know, getting um, up or getting out or stopping what they're doing, interrupting to go do something else. So, so that's kind of one category, the folks that know what they would practice if they did practice, they just don't practice, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. they're ha- having a hard time getting to it. And then there are the folks that maybe are better even at, you know, getting up, getting ready, getting situated, but then they don't know what to do. They're at a loss for, okay, what now? I'm here, you know, uh, I could do a hip circle. Uh, What do I do? You know, that are kind of paralyzed by the, I don't know what to do to practice, you Mm -hmm. know, or will my practice be good enough or those kinds of things. So two, two groups. And for the group that shows up is good at showing up, but then they don't know what to practice. I feel like those are the dancers who tend to um, practice what they're good at. Yes. Uh huh. Right. Because when you show up right. and you don't know what to do, like you just put on a song that you like and you work on the thing that you enjoy doing. Yes. And so you don't end up 
you don't usually end up focusing on the portions of your dance practice that you wish would improve, right? Like that. Yeah. You want to go back to and, and make those things better. I feel like because you don't know what to do and you don't necessarily have that plan, you just kind of mm-hmm. default into the comfortable stuff. Right. Yeah. Cause all of us would rather be comfortable. I mean, it's human nature. Time. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so for those two groups, what are like, what was one tip that you would give each of those groups on like what, how to get past this, this roadblock that they're facing? Yeah. So um, let me um, kind of back up. I, I like to do big picture and then zoom in because yes. that's the way my brain works. So big picture, this workshop is about um, what do dancers use in the short term to build habits? So what are some specific strategies they can do that will start working almost immediately for them to initiate behavior change? And then the motivation part really has to do with what changes behavior long term. And we have often, um, well, as a fitness industry for the last 30 years, the whole concept of you exercise your muscles for, um, you know, eating healthy or exercising and you know you the stronger the more you exercise those muscles the stronger they become and that's kind of you know what everybody has operated under is if I can't rehearse if I'm not good at it I just have to try harder try harder try harder and it's a personal failing if I don't do it Mm -hmm. you know I should be able to do it it's willpower it's grit it's determination well that's actually not supported by um, behavioral science research. I mean, the reality is willpower fatigues as the day goes on. And so it's a very poor use um, as, a, as a tool to help change behavior and to use with motivation or, or as motivation. What's a more powerful tool, and um, this research is being, being done and makes sense from like an evolutionary perspective, is um, people survived, you know, back in the cave people days because they cooperated, because they felt social emotions towards the people in their community, like um, compassion and uh, gratitude. Like those are emotions that people felt that that encouraged them to do behaviors they didn't want to do, but yet they did it because they cared about the people they were with. And so even from a, like I said, from an evolutionary standpoint, it makes sense that we would engage these emotions to help us motivate behavior. So that's what the class is about. So taking that broad and narrowing it down to these two groups of dancers, I mean, what people are going to want to focus on first is habit and, you know, that fast behavior change. Because the changing the way we think about things and changing our motivation takes more time. I mean, takes at least six weeks of practicing to start Mm -hmm. seeing results most of the time. There's some research that says two weeks, but I think that's a little optimistic. So people are going to want to do things that they can have more immediate results on. And and the class is going to teach you both ways. So for the dancers that are having a hard time getting motivated to do something, there's some great strategies and great techniques. So the one that I use the most is called habit stacking. And that is when you take something you normally do every day and you attach something you want to do to it. 
So I have been working on my hand floreos so that they don't look like a wet fish flopping around. <laughs> and, and so every time I enter the bathroom, whether it's to brush my teeth or to use the bathroom or for any reason, I stop and I practice my hand floreos in the mirror. Sometimes, not floreos, sorry, undulations. Sometimes for a minute, sometimes two minutes, sometimes longer if I you know, kind of really need to take a breath and get away for a minute. Like, it's a great excuse to just have a moment by yourself. Mm -hmm. And so then by the end of the day, you realize you've practiced your hand undulations for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. You know, you'd like to take a long shower, practice them in the shower. So that's a, a strategy that works really well for me. Mm -hmm. um, and we can talk about other strategies too, but let's talk about the bucket of people who, um, who, are good at getting up and going, but then don't know what to do once they're once they're once they're up and moving. Yeah. So for those folks, I think um, th there are a lot of ways that that um, they can change their thinking around this, so that they don't have to have a perfect plan. They don't have to have, you know, everything completely thought out. Um, the more you plan, the more successful you're going to be. So if you do have time and the ability to write something down and to have some clear parameters, um, uh, people use the SMART format for developing goals. There's all kinds of formats out there, anything that you choose. But the more measurable and specific it is and actionable, like concrete. So, so I want to be better at um, hip mayas is different than I'm going to practice hip mayas um, every day uh, as soon as I get up while I'm brushing my teeth for the next 20 days and then review a video of myself pre and post to see if I can visually tell any difference. Mm -hmm. You know, so the last one is a plan. You know, the first one is a wish. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <Right. laughs> and um, you know, there's all there's all sorts of ways that you can use the tools that you already have. You can um, take uh, some notes in your next dance class and practice the things that you took notes on. Um, I do that when I'm in dance class. Uh, there may be a lot of skills I need to develop, but I will pick two or maybe three that I want to practice over the next week and I'll write them down. And and then I'm not overwhelmed with so much to do, but just I've just picked a few things. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a strategy going online, um, watching videos, one of my favorites. I watch videos of myself all the time, not in a narcissistic way, because I'm looking for <laughs> what I need to work on. But you know, if you watch videos of yourself, you're, you know, you can identify some areas of weakness. And if you're not able to do that watching videos of yourself, then ask a friend to help you. And I think especially asking a friend is really great because your friend's never going to be mean to you the way that you're going to be mean to you. Right. Yeah. 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 And I have one friend that um, was also a founding member of Dionysia and we've been dancing together for 10 years and we have always um, done the armchair quarterbacking after performances. Mm -hmm. So I'll send her um, notes on her performance. She'll send me notes on mine. We'll talk about what we need to work on. And to start developing a relationship with someone who knows you as a dancer and 
can know you as a dancer over time. Like that's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing uh, experience. And it's, it's such a great way to, like you said, to figure out what needs to come next. Yeah. Like if you can't necessarily ask your teacher for, you know, you don't have the, the money to pay for a private lesson, right. And get that guidance, like you can reach out to your network and to your friends and, and get that same kind of roadmap. Yeah. Yeah. For you. Yeah, exactly. These people here in the second bucket, right. That, that just need something to practice. These are all of the wonderful dancers, right. Who come in for the 21 days of Billy. Yeah. Like these Mm -hmm. are, this is the kind of challenge that is like made for what you're talking about. You want to show up, you want to, you know, get that motivation, get on the dance floor, but you don't know what to do. So we just spent the last, you know, 20 some odd days because there were bonus days doing (laughs) that. And now it's over. So what do you like, what's the next step? How do people keep like, once they've kind of got the momentum going, right? What, what's a good way to keep it going? Because that's what everybody's asking right now, right? It's like, I've been practicing for all of these days. I've been, I got it. And now because the challenge is ending, I don't want everybody to just fall off the cliff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Build the bridge. Yeah. So um, we know from um, behavioral science research that the best, that another, another strategy is to surround yourself with people who are doing the same thing you're doing. Mm. Now, it doesn't have to be physically with you. Like if I have a practice and I'm practicing every day and you have a practice and you're practicing every day, we don't have to do it together. Like that's not required for this to, to be a strategy that works, a habit uh, building strategy that works. Just simply being around people who are doing the behavior that you want to do mm-hmm. is, is an effective strategy for forming the behavior. So one thing is, you know, reach out to some other people that were doing the challenge and say, hey, do you want to keep touching base with each other? Um, nice. I, I think a great idea is to repeat the challenge. Mm-hmm. Just repeat it. Like e- every time you do it, you'll get something else out of it. Um, it makes me think about when um, I was in college and <laughs> this was Yes, this was pre-computer day, so we used flashcards. I know, I know, people still use flashcards, but we only had flashcards. <laughs> no other options. And, yeah, no other options. And uh, um, and so you memorize the flashcards, and then you quiz yourself with them, and you put away anything you know, so that your your stack gets smaller and smaller. So then you're just focusing on the ones you can't remember. Well, you could do that with the 21 day challenge. Mm-hmm. You could go through and the things that you feel really comfortable with, put them on the back burner, you know, uh, distill it down to a few days that you're practicing over and over. When you feel comfortable with one, take it out of rotation. That would be a great way to get um, proficient in all of the areas that you that you uh, worked on during the 21 days. Yeah, and then you can take those ones that you're really struggling with and find more courses that build on those ideas. And I like this too, because one of the things that I hear all the time from the community is that they love the community that that builds around the 21 days, Mm -hmm. right? So this is, I almost feel like for people who purchase the bundle, right? come do the bundle together, like find the group, you know, do the bundle together, keep that community going. But then for people who don't purchase the bundle this year, it's just not a good fit for them, right? Find other people who did the challenge and kind of go back, like you said, pick yeah. things, work into them, and then find teachers and courses from there 
that will help support you in those things. I absolutely love, I love this because it's a solution in both directions for people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can apply it any way you want. And, and that's where the creative thinking comes in. And that's where the kind of the behavioral stuff comes in is, you know, don't, don't let your thoughts that you don't know what to practice or you can't practice because you're, you know, you're not a professional dancer. You don't know how to practice. You're just a student dancer or whatever, whatever thought it is that you're saying to yourself about why you can't do it. How do you change that thought so that you're problem solving? You know, maybe you decide to repeat the 21 days and you're like, yeah, I'm just not staying engaged. I, I realized that for my learning style, I need something that feels new every day. Okay, mm -hmm. go find something new. But maybe you are one of those people that likes to do repetition because it takes you deeper and, you know, so great, you have a strategy. So part of it is you do have to experiment, like what works with your personality. And it's fine to be, you know, to be an investigator. Like you don't have to commit to whatever you're doing for the rest of your life. Like you can say for the next 21 days, I'm gonna repeat the 21 day challenge. And then after that, I'll reevaluate and decide if I wanna do it again or not. Mm -hmm. I love being an investigator. I like putting it that way because I'm, I'm all about experimenting. And I yeah. think that, you know, it's all about throwing that wet spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. Like, exactly. Which, you know, do I like to repeat things? Do I need things that are new? Do I yeah. like live classes? Do I prefer pre recorded classes? Do I like yep. the hybrid style? Like, figuring out what not only what works for you, but what style of teaching gets it yep. into your brain the most? What kinds of teachers are the ones that are going to be your favorites? Like, that's some of my favorite stuff to figure out because once yeah. you kind of dial that in, then yep. it becomes so much easier to move forward in your practice with support, right? Cause you know who to find yeah, who can support you in the ways that work for you because everybody's totally different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I love that you said that, like, I literally have a sticky note on my desk <laughs> of classes of recorded classes I've paid for and not taken. I mean, I'm an extrovert. Even if people are on a screen, I want to dance with live people. If it's a recorded class, like I have a whole list that I need to go and, you know, that I, that I pay for that I haven't done. So I know that now about myself. Like I, if you had asked me pre-pandemic, I'd have been like, oh yeah, either one's fine. Now, uh-uh, I got to be like it's live be with live people. But then other people, that's too much pressure. They don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't have the time. I have a two and a half year old. Like there's yes. no way that I can show up to a live class. Right. Aged. Like I need the classes to be pre-recorded, or I need right. it to be some kind of like hybrid style where like I can show up for the live classes, but if I don't, like I still it's recorded. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I need some, I need some other option. And so like, right, this is the perfect example of like two sides of the coin yeah. is like, everybody's totally different and that nothing is wrong. No, huh? it's not better or worse or it's just yeah. different. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Lisa, this has been amazing. I cannot wait. I've been saying this to all of the episodes <laughs> and I like this is, I know this is the last one. So it's the last time you guys are going to hear me say this, but I cannot wait for people to jump into this class. Like this is my favorite stuff to talk about and like how we can trick ourselves and work yeah. with our brains to make things mm -hmm. happen instead of like fighting ourselves and blaming ourselves all the time for things. We don't have to yep. do that. No, we don't. We don't have to do that at all. And so I'm super excited that, that you've put this together for the bundle because it's going to help so many people. 
get into their practice and get, get on the dance floor. Can you tell people where can they find you on the internet if they want to ask questions, if they want to check out what you do with all of your various projects, because this is the time promote. Yeah, yourself. absolutely. So I have a website. It's um, Lisa Allred Dance. So L-I-S-A-A-L-L-R-E-D-D-A-N-C-E. So you've got some, a, a bunch of double, double <laughs> letters in there. So, um, uh, and yeah, there's a link to my, my weekly classes, my um, performance collective, the projects that I do, my psychology of dance blog, everything, you can find everything from there. Awesome. And I have one last question for you. Okay. Where is the strangest place that you have ever danced? Okay. Um, uh, well, let's see. Danced. Oh, I know. So uh, in Germany, uh, we danced. Um, I went with Dainishma um, to teach in Germany, and we danced in a like old house that was hundreds of years old. Mm -hmm. And the dressing room was um, bales of hay stacked like, up. Literally, just bales of hay. That was it. It was <laughs> it was stacked up. Oh, no one can see my hands. So it was stacked up. I mean, it had a tarp over the top, but the dressing room was made. And it was outside and it was cold and it was raining and the dressing room was made out of bales of hay and then you had to go in the rain from the bale of hay dressing room into the building you know the old <laughs> building where there's just one room anyway that was that was i mean it was what an amazing experience amazing Dakada was there live i mean it was amazing but the, uh, all these the, dancers in a bale of hay dressing room. A bale of hay, up. yeah, yeah. I, I, we took lots of selfies because we're like, I doubt this will ever happen again. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so great, Lisa. Thank you for sharing that story. You're welcome. And thank you so much for uh, being part of the bundle and being being your amazing self and and marrying all of this science with dance in a way that is going to be so helpful. I'm I I cannot say it enough. So well, you're very glad. welcome. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Everyone who is listening, thank you so much. This is actually our last interview of the 2020 Belly Dance Bundle series. Um, I will be back tomorrow with a little bit of a recap, but it's been amazing. These interviews have been absolutely phenomenal. And Lisa, you're just the cherry on top here at the end. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you. Everybody, I will talk to you tomorrow. And until then, Wasn't that amazing? Full disclosure, we had to film this one twice because I didn't hit record the first time. And see, I'm not perfect either. The benefit? I got to have this amazing conversation twice. If you'd like to replicate that experience, go back and listen again. Lisa gave us some amazing knowledge here that you can really take and start applying right away. I hope that you're grabbing the bundle this year. By the way, the sale ends today. But if you don't, I hope that this was enough to keep the momentum from the 21 Days of Belly Dance Challenge going. And if you have or are going to get the bundle, I cannot wait to dive into not only this lecture with you, but everything else. If you're the kind of person who wants someone to tell you what to practice, 
I've got you covered with the bundle. You can literally email me at any time and I will help you figure out what to do next. It's my guarantee against overwhelm. Plus, this year our classes are a bit more spread out, so there will be something new releasing every month for the next couple of months, making it super easy to continue to come back and focus on your practice. It's going to be an amazing time, and I can't wait for you to come and dance and nerd out with Lisa, myself, and all of our other wonderful contributors. But remember, the bundle is only on sale until the end of October 28th, so go and grab your copy now.